Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of The Storybox, where I, your host, Jay Phantom has the utmost privilege and honor to unbox the amazing stories of some incredible people from all walks of life and experiences. I'm delighted and grateful that you're here today. Now let's dive into the story box and hear more about our guest today. Welcome back, everyone, to a very special episode of the Storybox podcast. I hope you are all doing well, staying safe out there. My friends, this is going to be a huge episode because I have the legendary one and only Grant Cardone on the Storybox today. Now, I could not believe that I was able to speak with Grant Cardone. It was a an amazing experience and we had an awesome conversation as you're about to listen to. Uh, he gave a lot of advice. He's very kind, very genuine and just gives back a lot and I really appreciated his time. This was actually scheduled for 30 minutes but he ended up giving me an hour of his time uh, and I'm super grateful for that. So for those of you who don't actually know who Grant Cardone is, where have you been? Uh, but Grant is an internationally renowned business and sales expert. He's been named the number one sales trainer in the world and number one of the and, and number one of the 25 marketing influencers to watch in 2017 by Forbes magazine. He is the author of seven sales and business books, including the New York Times bestselling uh, If You're Not First, You're Last. And he's the creator of Cardone University, which has an astounding 50 million users and counting worldwide. He is a dynamic and highly sought after international speaker, coach, and consultant. His speeches have been listened to, get this, by hundreds of millions of people all over the world. Not hundreds, not thousands, but hundreds of millions, which is a, a an astounding amount of people. He is an incredibly successful entrepreneur. He offers insights, tips, advice, and guidance on sales, marketing, branding, real estate, relationships, investments, wealth, and so much more. He's a regular writer for Forbes magazine, Success Magazine, Business Insider, Entrepreneur.com, and Huffington Post. He's a philanthropist and believer in giving back as well as paying it forward. He's a creator of Cardone Foundation, which provides mentoring and financial literacy education to at-risk people, which is absolutely incredible. He has a social media following of over 10 million followers. He's an international social media influencer and has been named one of the top 10 CEOs to follow in the world. So before we dive into the story box, I do have a huge favor to ask of you. If you all enjoy this episode, and I guarantee you, you will, because there is so much amazing golden nuggets in here, then please leave a five-star rating and review over on Apple Podcasts. All the links will be in the show notes below, so you can do that. It's very simple. Just spend 30 seconds letting us know what you think. Pay it forward as well, so please share it around to a friend or family member that you believe can benefit from what Grant is saying in this interview. And, and also uh, subscribe, subscribe to the Storybox so we can get more amazing guests like Grant on. I guarantee you I'm working really, really hard to do just that and to pay it forward to everybody and to try and change the world through powerful stories like Grant's. And I'm really, really grateful for Grant and his time. So with that being said, my friends, 
I hope you enjoy this episode. So let's dive into the story box and hear Grant Cardone's story. You know, you make me sound like a big shot. You are a big shot. <laughs> thank, thank you for having me. You, you're a big shot too. So we, we're all big shots. I mean, we're just waiting to become big shots. So, um, you know, I really appreciate you having me on your show and appreciate what you do to people giving back and, and, uh, you know, taking the time to reach out to us and think enough of me and my work to, uh, to, uh, have me on your show. I appreciate you saying that, man. It really does mean a lot coming from someone like yourself and, everything that you've done and everything you've given back into the world. It, it really does. It's like the pleasure is all mine to have you here. And I usually have one question that I love asking people to start things off. And I'm curious to, to know your answer to this question. And that is, what does success look like to you? Yeah. So that's, that's something that I've asked myself a lot, you know, particularly as you, as you, you know, gain, gain a little momentum and you start getting things working and, achieve some things, you start wondering, well, why am I still playing the game? Right. Mm. And so for me, uh, success is, it, it's the difference between where I am and where I might be able to get to. Yeah. It's not what I've achieved. It's not a plane. It's not a car. It's not money. It's not a net worth. It's not, there's not an amount and, and it's not happiness. It, it, it's what can I get to, you know, where can I get to? And sometimes that's not a bigger house or a nicer pad or a better car. Sometimes it's actually going the other way, mm. you know, like, Hey, can I go live on an $80 sofa or a couch? Could I, could I, could I move from the 33rd floor back to the, to the, to the hood? Mm. And, and could I, could I actually do something in those environments? Uh, but mostly it's about reaching my potential. And I think that that's the thing that really, you know, one of the, one of the biggest questions I get is like, Hey, when, when is enough enough? I'm like, it's not about stuff, bro. It's about, it's about what can I do next? What can I achieve? Mm. You know, so, so that by the way, not to impress anybody else except me. Yeah. To find me, to find the next level of me. Mm. And I think a lot of people are trying to get off the treadmill. I'm not. I'm not trying to get off of anything. I'm not trying to get out of work. I'm trying to get, I'm trying to stay, almost stay uncomfortable all the time. As crazy as that seems. Like, what, what, what can I do next that, that meets a new version of me? Mm. I love that. I love that definition, especially how you brought it to finding the next version of you. And that's what life's about, right? It's not just staying in one place. It's about constantly learning new things. I think when we become stagnant, we become useless. We, we, don't, we don't move forward at all. And yeah. I like how you've associated success as that progression of moving forward because I've had a lot of people say that success for them means to be happy. And I've asked them, well, what does happiness look like to you then? What makes you happy? And then it always comes down to this, learning aspect, this progression aspect of I'm not staying in this one place. And I just love how you mentioned that. And I'm curious to know for you, Grant, where did this idea of success come from for you? I, I'm, I would have a guess to say that you've been thinking about it for, for many, many years, but was there a catalyst moment somewhere where you just woke up one day and said, Oh, that's success for me. Uh, you know, like, like I remember watching my dad, man, my, when I was a kid, you know, and I was like, he, he knew what he was doing. He knew where he was going. He knew what he wanted. He was paying the bills. He was taking care of the family. We all looked up to him. That's what that, that, that's what like the catalyst was. Mm. So I just looked at how he dressed, how he acted when he got up. Uh, he, he died when I was 10. So I didn't have a lot of time with him, but the time that I watched him, uh, you know, he, he, I, I'm like, I want to be that guy. Yeah. And, 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 you know, at that time I didn't have, you know, Steve jobs to watch or Elon Musk or Warren Buffett. I just had him mm. and everybody has someone to watch. Right. Okay. So, um, so, you know, what was the catalyst? You know, I, I mean, one thing was, I remember going to the store one day quarter and I lost it on the way to the store. And my dad just railed on me, dude. He's like, 
never lose money, never play with money. Money doesn't grow on trees. Like there was a huge lesson for me at like seven or eight years old about money. That like, like really like first I had a loss and then I got a lesson. Yeah. And, uh, and my dad said, never play with money, never play with money, never play with money. My grandfather grabbed me like 20 minutes later and says, Hey, Mm-hmm. never go anywhere with one quarter. <laughs> <laughs> my my dad like, said yeah. that all the time. And it, it did, 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 like I had both of these, like for the, for the next 30 years, I had both these lessons going on. Like, okay, don't play with money. Don't lose it. And then this other dude saying, Hey, and it, look, they both, they both knew, knew different things about money. One, one either had money or didn't. And my dad basically never, didn't provide for his family mm-hmm. and always figured out how to take care of his family no matter what. And I, and I thought that that was a, I thought that that was a cool thing. Now, now, you know, to answer your questions, like for me, for me, the, the these questions that you asked, they have lot, lots of layers, right? Yeah. <laughs> and because, because of the time I've been on this planet, um, that lesson added to the next 30 or 40 years, you know, my dad would die two years later. And then my mom had to go into freaking, my mom went into to, to, to Tara about money. And, uh, you know, as good as my dad did for his family, he took care of his family. When he died, the money stopped. Mm. And when the money stopped, my mom got scared. And, and I didn't like seeing my mom scared. I was a 10 years old, you know, and I couldn't help her get out of the fear. And I could tell she was scared, dude. Like every day, you couldn't get away from it. She was scared if the car broke down, scared if she had to put uh, gas in the car, uh, the insurance came due. Like, like I could see she was scared, clipping coupons. And so I'm learning, right? I'm learning from my environment. And I'm either going to succumb to it, adapt to it, or I'm going to get over it. Mm-hmm. And I was 15, 16 years old. I'm like, I'm not going to do this. I'm, there's no way I'm going to spend my whole life worried about money. Yes. And so, so you know, there's a lot of lessons, a lot of catalysts for me in my life. I had a drug problem when I was 20, when I was, yeah, 20 years old. I was a full-blown drug addict. Hated myself. Uh, I spent five years of college, big catalyst. Like, I, I, I don't like learning. Mm-hmm. Like you said, you know, some people consider success learning. Fuck. I don't want to learn. I want to know. Mm. <laughs> I want to know what to do next. Mm. I like confidence. I like, I like knowing I can go into a gig and come out with something. Yeah. I like, that's why I love real estate so much. Cause I know I'm not going to lose money in it. Mm. Mm. I'm curious to know Grant, like going back to your father for a moment, how did he die? And what were some of the things that he was showing you that you were picking up, like the character traits that your father was, was exemplifying? Yeah. Well, my dad died the same way everybody does. Heart stops. (laughs) You know, a guy told me that once he's like, what'd your dad die? I said, a heart attack. He's like, yep. Same thing happens to everybody. Mm. And he kind of made a joke about it, you know, which was cool to me. Cause I'm like, you know, like it's going to happen to everybody. Mm. And, and, uh, so fortunately, you know, I had two big losses when I was a kid that I think really benefited me. My dad died when he, when I was 10 and my older brother died when I was 20. And I tell you that that was, that was a, that was good for me because, um, I know some people that have never lost their 50 and never lost anybody. Yeah. And when it happens, bro, it just like, Guts them out for, for, and it gutted me. Not, not to say it didn't gut, it did gut me, but, but at 10 years old, when you have a loss like that, like you're, you're, you, 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 you get, you get a reality about life that, that is, that's real. It's a life cycle. Right. And so, um, but you know, my dad, my dad did not teach me based on what he said. He taught me based on an example he set. And he, he was a, he, he got up early, got his briefcase, put his suit on, went out, and was a business warrior. Mm. Mm. And he didn't do it for the flashy bullshit and watches and cars. And he, I mean, he, he, wanted to, he, wanted, he wanted some of that. You know, he had some of that. He wanted to have that swag. But 
Um, number one, he wanted to take care of his family. Yeah. And he wanted that for himself. That that's the other thing I learned from him. That was important to him. Mm-hmm. You know, I remember my I remember when I got married. You know, I, my my wife my wife would she'd get the dollar bill. She would take my dollars and my five dollars and my ten dollars. And I said, you can have all all the little stuff, everything under twenties. <laughs> and she would be ecstatic. This was, you know, fifteen years ago. This was really kind of kind of before I really really made it financially. Mm. And it made me so happy that I could give her the the paper. And it it made me so happy that she was happy Mm. about it. It was a little game we played, right? But, you know, I think that that's the thing about financial success that people don't talk about. It is so rewarding to to be able to help people out. Yeah. And not to have that drama. There's so much drama in life already. Mm with losing parents or loved ones or fear of, you know, like people losing people because of COVID or car wrecks or drug addiction, or there's so much drama, dude. Like I just didn't want the drama that my mom had about money Yeah, because I had the drama too, because she had it. I had, Mm. you know, these cycles, these cycles go on and on. Sometimes you got to break it. Yeah. Yeah. And there was a big scarcity mentality at my place. Mm-hmm. My, my, my fam, my parents were Italian, uh, you know, descent. their, their parents came over. Um, a lot of scarcity, by the way, there's a lot of scarcity in Australia. When I was in Australia, a lot of scarcity, mm-hmm. uh, you call it something. There's a term you guys have it about the tall guy or the tall poppy syndrome. Yeah. Yeah. The, what's it called? Tall poppy syndrome. Yeah, the tall poppy bullshit syndrome. <laughs> yeah, not all of that. And you guys got this very, very similar. Uh, don't be a bragger. Don't toot your own horn. Don't, don't. You know. Yeah. You know, and I think you guys like Americans because we tend to have a little more swag. Not really. There's just 300 million of us. Mm. The most of us do not have any swag. Mm. Aren't we aren't we aren't noisy like me? I'm noisy uh, because I know it's uh, I know I know I gotta look. I've been noisy the whole time, and and most of the time when I was a young 25 year old salesman, I was like I'm all jagged and noisy and loud and you know trying to get attention. I most 90 percent of the time I did it wrong. Mm. Today I only do it wrong about 50 percent of the time, <laughs> but the other 50 percent is sick. I mean it just like it just gushes for me. Yeah. So, uh, you know, you figure it out, too, over time, right? You, you, maturity, experiences, as long as you're willing to keep, um, you yeah, know, figuring it out. Yeah. Like, like, as long as you don't become a know-it-all. Yeah. And I think there's a difference between being confident and being cocky. And it seems like with that tall poppy syndrome for a lot of Australians, this is how I grew up as well. I lost my grandfather when I was 11 years old, who was the biggest mentor in my life. We lost our family, German Shepherd, when I was eight years old. So I was exposed to a lot of death, lost my grandmother, lost a good friend of mine. So I was exposed to a lot of loss, a lot of pain, a lot of grief very early on, which kind of shaped my understanding. And you're right. It's very real. It kind of snaps you back into reality. Like life does end, but you know, we yeah. also grew up with nothing. My dad had to work two jobs just to put food on the table. You know, I grew up in one of the poorest areas in Sydney, um, near, near the housing commission. But, and it was, it was tough. But you know, you know what that did? It gave me a healthy dose of respect, gave me a healthy dose of uh, hard work and what hard work actually brings you. And, yeah. you know, like that's, that's the way I, I was brought up and the reason why I do what I do today and I work as hard as I, I try is because I want to, number one, create a better life, not just for me, but for my, my family and I want to give back. You know, that's, that's my goal. Yeah. And, and you know, that, you know that, that was a thing that I learned from my, my family that because of the scarcity, I think everybody relates to scarcity and that kind of poverty mentality. But for me, it was like, I remember my mom saying, family matters most, family matters most. And I look around, I'm like, dude, we're not even, there's only six of us. Mm -hmm. 
my, my, both my sisters had gone off to college and then left the house. Now there's down to three of us plus my mom. Mm. And I'm like, she's like, family sticks together. Like, I'm like, there's only four of us. Like this never made any sense to me. I'm like, uh, only trust your family. I'm like, uh, there's 7 billion people on the planet. Yeah. At that time, I think it was 6 billion or five and a half billion. Mm. I'm like, man, and, and, and I was always curious, man. I was curious about this. Uh, you know, we have all this, this dissension right now in America, black, white, yep. Hispanic, rich, poor. Like there's so many problems over here right now. I'm like, guys, we're all human. Yep. We're all a family. Yeah. And a lot of people never hear me talk about this, but like, I, I want to be, I want to have brothers and sisters and nephews and nieces, millions of them. Mm. And I don't want to just help my two daughters and my wife and my sister and my brother. I want to help a lot of people. Mm. That would make me really happy. Mm. I think service is one of the the best things you can, you can have in as part of your character is the ability to give back, not just keep everything for yourself because you keep something. But if you have the ability to give back, don't be selfish, like be selfless. I think that's a powerful, powerful tool for people. Um, Grant, I want to ask you, in your opinion, what, what does a leader, what is a leader to you? Or what are the qualities of a good leader? A leader is somebody that I want to follow. I mean, you know, um, there's so many variations of leadership. Mm. So um, I, I don't like I don't think about myself as a leader or an influencer or. Um, I know I am, but I don't go around saying I'm the leader. Mm. Uh, the only time I tell anybody my position is when they ask me on an application, what's your position in the company? Mm. Dude, I'm a worker. I'm a worker. And I'll just say this, like following is, is way more important than leading. Yeah. Because, well, because look, if I, if if you don't have, if you don't have people that can comply to an order, support the leader, like you don't have leadership Mm. and you're not going to accomplish the mission without followers. Leaders do not accomplish the mission. Mm. Leaders inspire the mission, guide the mission, uh, hopefully set the ethics in the environment. Mm. And the ethics, you know, however an individual defines that. So, see, for me, like success, success is an ethical conversation for me. It's not a financial. To me, you know, success is like it's a duty. It's a like it's a spiritual success for me is like a spiritual event. Mm. And if people around me are not successful, I think that that's a indication of my leadership issues mm. and that the, the, the best thing I can do is be successful. Yeah. Because if you're successful, you don't have to convince people to follow you. They, they, they just do the right people are going to just be attracted. Yeah. Mm. You know, drug right. addict, the drug addict finds the drug addict finds the drugs. Yep. And poor people find poor people if they want to be poor. And rich people find the rich people to hang out with, like astronauts find spaceships. And, and my, my, my job, my job, my number one job is to make sure I am successful physically, financially, mentally, spiritually in my relationships. And because I, that will attract people that want success and it will actually push away people that, that have given up on it. Yeah. I like that. I really like that. Um, someone once told me as well that everyone is a leader. But the difference is you can either be a good one or you can be a bad one. And people want to follow, you know, what they're attracted to. So obviously if they want wealth, like he said, then they'll go and find people that are better than them and they'll learn from them and they'll get knowledge. So Grant, I want to, I want to ask you a little bit, what was your, what was your first company that you started and what lessons did you learn with that com- that first company? Oh yeah, first business. So I started that when I was 30 years old. I started because I thought I had something that, well, I knew everybody needed it. 
32 years later, yeah, they all need it, bro. Nobody wants it. It's a training business. It's education. Nobody wants this product, okay? Like, I mean, maybe 10 or 15% of the people are willing to pay for it. I, I went into the wrong business. And this is something I would strongly advise people to do. Like, find a business that's going to make a shitload of money. Mm. I know this is contrary to most of the advice out there, but everybody follow your passion, you know? Oh, Steve Jobs said that. Steve Jobs was rich when he said it. <laughs> he was. You know? Yeah. Jeff Bezos says, yeah, you should do the things you're passionate about. Yeah, but Jeff, that's not what you did. Jeff, Jeff followed the money. Mm. Bezos followed the traffic. Okay. Look, look at what people don't listen to what they say. See what they actually do. Yeah. Because some people say shit just because it sounds good. And everybody's like, yeah, I want to do what I'm passionate about. Signal just cleaned up, by the way. Yeah. I want to do what I, I want to do. You should do what you're passionate about. Jeff Bezos was sitting in New York City working for a hedge fund and saw these big spikes. Now, this is going to be the richest person that has ever walked on planet Earth. Mm. Okay. Amazon only does maybe two or 3% of all the activity on the internet. It, that, that company could grow 10 times easily right. with the momentum it Crazy. This guy could easily be the first trillionaire ever on the planet. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and he followed traffic. He followed where people were going. He followed attention. He followed money. The Kardashians, uh, the, the daughter's going to, the, the, the kid, the youngest is probably going to be a billionaire. She didn't follow her passion. She followed traffic and attention. Warren Buffett, Warren Buffett. Do the things you like to do and read and study and learn and da da da. And that's true, he does all that. But dude, that guy's in a money game. Yeah. And and Bill Gates, look at Bill Gates. Bill Gates created a product and then wanted every person on the planet to have that product. He mm. did not, he did not, by the way, he was not following a passion. Mm. He was following money. And um, you know, there's a story about Gates saying China was ripping him off. And he's like, okay, if they're ripping, they're ripping the software off, make sure they're ripping Microsoft off. And, and the people around him were like, huh? Well, if they're going to steal, make sure they steal our shit. We'll get the money later. Wow. And, and by the way, Microsoft was not a great product. Okay. It was like, Hey, if it, if we can't make it good, this is Bill Gates out of his mouth. If we can't make it good, make it look good. <laughs> yeah. And, 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 and that guy was like, those guys were animals, man. People should study those people when they're young, not when they're worth billions of dollars. And now they have, they have advice to give. Oh, yes, you should do what you love. I loved coding Microsoft products. I love, yeah, you loved it, bro. Cause it worked. Mm. You, you, nobody loves stuff that, that doesn't work. Like, like, and I hear so many people following this passion, mm. this, this passion roll down, down. And I did it. Mm. I'm great at training. I'm great at educating. I know a new way to sell stuff and everybody needs it. Three years, three years. I pounded on doors, door to door, calling on business owners, getting doors slammed in me. Tell people telling F off, never come back again. I've had the police called on me like, why? Because I was hooked on this idea and this idea was a great idea and nobody really wanted that idea. Mm. I mean, if I had it all over to do again, I'm 30 years old. I don't have any money. I got hustle and I want to go do something. I'm going to study. Where's the money going? Where are the eyeballs? I ain't trying to save the world, by the way. Mm. Let's be clear. I'm trying to get rich as, as I can get, and then I can figure out how I can save the world. Because mm. without money or influence, and you're not going to have a lot of influence if you don't have money. Mm. It's just not going to happen. Mother Teresa, now, every time I have this conversation, though, everybody, Mother Teresa didn't have any money. She, she was connected with people that had money, man. Like, if Jesus Christ was here today, he'd have a fleet of Gulf Streams, and a badass YouTube channel. <laughs> and he would be buying ads. He'd be buying ads, man. He'd be buying ads. I guarantee he would be. 
So, so that's the game, right? Like that, that's the thing that I learned from that first business, which is I think where you were going. Yeah. I still have, I still have the company today, by the way. How come you still have the company if it was a big mistake? It makes money. Because it makes money. <laughs> number one. Number two, people do need it. Three, uh, 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 you know, look, I've, be- I've become known as one of the most important, influential salespeople, sales professionals, sales authors in the world. Like I've heard, uh, you know, I got Fortune 100 companies that pay us millions of dollars a year to provide training for them. That being said, I would not recommend doing what I did. And once I did it and it paid me, I'm not going to throw it away. Mm. You know, mm. uh, something about don't, don't uh, kick a horse in the mouth or something. I don't know. Don't kick the horse to feed you. I don't know. One of those old sayings, right? Yeah. The gift horse or something like that. I don't know. Mm. So I still have that business. Then I started a second business that supported car dealers, automobile dealers in the United States and in Australia. We've been over there to talk to car dealers 20 years ago. Still had that second business. Third business was real estate. I started taking the leftover money and investing in real estate. That has become a $2 billion business. Jeez. I got $2 billion worth of real estate today, American uh, dollars. And um, we, we pay out, I pay out more money to my investors. Mm every month than my first two businesses made the first five years. I do. And I pay that out every month to my investors. So that's going to be the real estate's going to end up being a 10 or $20 billion business. Fourth company that we just started a couple years ago was Cardone Ventures. Cardone Ventures basically takes million dollar companies and turns them into $10 million companies by providing them with information, leadership, guidance, support, networking, uh, and then we do these big events. I do, you know, the largest entrepreneur events on the planet today. We did 34,000 people in Miami on Super Bowl weekend. <laughs> and nobody does anything on Super Bowl weekend, but we did. 34,000 people were there from all over the world. I think 51 countries. Big events. You know, I've had Kevin Hart on my stage, John Travolta, uh, uh, I mean, massive. And by the way, these guys aren't there. Usher was there. Um, they're not, Kevin Hart didn't come to tell jokes and neither did Usher didn't come to sing. And John Travolta didn't come to talk about uh, Grease Lightning or whatever, Pulp Fiction, whatever the movie. We talk business, mm. marketing. Uh, how do you stay relevant for 20 or 30 or 40 or 50 years like John Travolta has? Dana White. Dana White took a $2 million business, turned it into an $8 billion deal. So I'm bringing people from entertainment all walks of life and saying, Hey, let's erase the lines between Usher being a producer and a dancer and a singer. And let's erase that artist line and move into in move into the business. Mm. Because there's very, to me, there's very little difference between an artist and a businessman or a businesswoman. Mm. To me, to me, like, like, I, I really think I'm 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 an actor, a producer, a director, and there's a movie, and the movie is the Grant Cardone show. Yeah, and I'm producing this lifelong movie, and in the beginning, nobody's watching the movie, <laughs> and then then I get a few a few viewers, mm. and then they're like, "This is stupid, what you're doing." And I'm rewriting the script in the movie and I, and the movie's growing and maturing and it's going up and down and there's dramas and stuff. Right. And then I start, people start like, Whoa, Whoa, this movie's getting good. Mm. And then you start getting people hate you because the movie's good. So, you know, that's kind of what I think I'm doing. And, 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 um, you know, the money's great. Mm. You're creating a, a pretty awesome story. And, and, and a big effect, a big effect. Like, yeah. like, like I want to create a big effect. I want to create that's positive though. Mm. You know, like Jeffrey Epstein created an effect. Mm. So I don't want to just create an effect. I want to create an effect that, that people are like, dude, you know, that guy, see like people did to you on, on the, hey, you know, this Grant Cardone guy and this Grant Cardone guy. And then you went and found me on YouTube and then you probably watched five or six hours of, of my stuff. 
Probably. <laughs> Didn't count. You know, I know people that just binge on that stuff. Like, just like, dude, your, your, your YouTube channel is better than Netflix. Yeah. And, um, so, you know, look, I'm gonna build a $20 billion real estate business, but I'm going to help a bunch of other people build their own business. Cause I, I, I don't have a scarcity issue here. Mm. I know I could build a $20 billion business. I could help. I could show you how to build a $50 billion business and maybe you got more time to get there than I do. And you do. And, and I will have, you know, I will have made a contribution. Mm. My, I think my goal is to reach as many people and for, for this podcast is I want to reach every single person on the face of this earth with at least one story. That's my goal. And the reason why that's so important is because stories like yours, Grant, they change lives and we are all writing our own stories right now. Some of us have, have written a, a much further and done more with our story. But at the end of the day, like you said at the very beginning, we're all humans, we're all brothers and sisters. And if we can impact one another and find a way to connect with one another, why not? Like, just do and work. <laughs> so, I was watching The Last Dance, Michael Jordan's movie. I love it. It's inspirational, man. Kobe, inspirational. LeBron, inspirational. It doesn't have to be an athlete either. No. So you just... You know, like John John Travolta. I was talking to John, and and, and it, it's just his story. Like, no people think about him as a movie star, mm. and but you don't know what he did behind the scenes, man. Yeah. Like when you start hearing that, dropped out of high school. Like the stories become so thick in, and and it's not just his story is what he did. Mm. It's not what Quentin Tarantino wrote for him to say in Pulp mm. Fiction. You know, it's what he did in his life. Like, I study what people do. Like, mm. this is one piece of advice that I would give people. Don't, don't even listen to what I say. Watch what I do. Yeah. Because there's a lot of frauds out there, bro. There's a lot of charlatans and a lot of, a lot of guys out there saying one thing on stage and doing something completely different 12 minutes later. Yep. And, and so, you know, watch what people are doing, one. And two, you need to evaluate where they are in their cycle. Because mm -hmm. I've gotten a lot of advice that was good, but the cycle did not, their cycle did not coordinate with mine. Meaning, meaning they had made their money already and they were trying to protect it. And I was trying to get money. Yeah. So if, if, if I got a guy, try, he, he's on the downward, he's on the, like if it, there's a graph, right. And he, he's already gone up and topped out satisfied. And now he's on the way down. Yep. This is an uncle that was giving me advice right here on the way down. Dude, I, I'm here, mm. you know, or my mom, my mom was not into all this stuff. Mm. <laughs> and to her, to her, See, you got to look at the source of data. Yeah. You got to look at the source of data of like, okay, why are they telling you this? Mm. And my mom could not help but be my mom. All her advice came to me as a mother first. Yeah. Be careful. Be yep. careful. You don't need to do that. <laughs> you know, my, mom, I, my mom was my best friend. I lost her about 10 years ago. The best friend I've ever had on this planet. But I would never take advice from her about business. <laughs> In fact, whatever she would tell me, I would do the opposite thing. Mm. You know, because, 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 so you got to know the source. You got to know where they're at in the cycle and, and, and don't listen. See what they did to get there. See, see, my uncle's telling me this down here. Yeah. Dude, what'd you do to get here? Cause I got to get here before I can do take that advice. Yeah. I, I like how you brought it to that point because I always say that words are cheap unless followed by action. So if you've got actions are expensive as well. Like when you're cashing in something, if you say you're going to do it and don't follow it up with your actions, that's cheap. You just like a lot of people do 
It's just like they're cashing in the cheap check because it's easy to say it rather than do it. It's hard work to do it. So those people, I, I love watching people that actually say stuff and then they follow it up with their actions because that means yeah. that it's, there's been more value there and it's true because they've gone and done it. They're, they're a person of integrity. They haven't just said or they, or they, or they, Yeah, or they have an opinion. Yeah. You know, like uh, me, me and this guy were having this conversation about sales and he kept asking me about sales and what are you going to say and what if they say no? And I'm like, dude, you're asking the wrong question, bro. Mm. And the reason you're asking the wrong question, he's a punk, this dude. I said, the reason you're asking the wrong question is, bro, you're still stuck. You're still stuck in the body of a 25-year-old trying to hustle somebody out of a check. I ain't. I ain't hustling anybody out of a check anymore. Mm. Okay. I don't want to hustle a check anymore. I want money to work for me. I want to build a business. The reason a salesperson gets stuck in the sales cycle is because they never become a business person. They never mature. Mm. And if you don't mature, it'd be like being a teenager for the rest of your life. Mm. That'd be uncomfortable. You're a 57 year old teenager. Look like an idiot on the planet, (laughs) except to other teenagers. Mm. So if you're 57 and you're and you're just hanging around a bunch, you got a bunch of 17 year olds uh, working for you, then you look like a genius. Yeah. But if you're 57 acting like you're 17 and you get around some hitters, the hitters going to be like, dude, you're full of shit. Mm. Like your game has not matured. Mm. And so one thing that's very important for me in my life is my game has to mature. The questions I ask have to change. The things I'm interested in have to progress and evolve. Mm. And so I told this guy, I'm like, bro, you're asking the wrong question. Like, if you're still worried about what to say, it's because you haven't built a business Mm. where people are coming to you and want to buy from you. Mm. Because if you got to say the right thing to that one person, it's because you don't have a bunch of people to talk to. Yeah. If you want a great business, if you want a great business, you need an audience. And that audience, the, 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 the quality of your businesses depends on the, the quantity of that audience, not the quality of the audience, the quantity of that audience first, and then the quality. Mm. I, li- I like that, especially how you said the evolution of your questions. And I'm curious, where does that actually come from? Like, is it just because you're thinking about it or does it come from experiences? Well, I'm curious. I'm a curious guy, so I'm not satisfied, right? So, you know, um, I, I, I am. I am. The middle class mentality is about satisfaction and comfort. Yeah. And 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 the middle class. I don't mean you make a certain amount of money. I mean this this idea that I'm good. I'm mm-hmm. satisfied. I got two cars. I got my little house. I'm going to pay it off one day and my kids are going to go to a nice school and we are good. That is middle-class mentality. Mm. There's about, there's about 6% of the population on this planet. It's like, dude, I don't want anything to do with that. I want to be top of the food chain. I want to be the froth on the coffee. And I don't want trouble with money, lawyers, lawsuits, uh, uh, bad health care. Uh, I don't want to be stuck in a house. I, I don't want to be stuck in one location. If I want to like, like I look, like I just tell you right now, dude, I want enough money to where I can tell people, fuck you, fuck mm. off and leave me alone. <laughs> like, yep. It's cause it's free. Mm. I don't want to do business with people. I don't want to do business with. Mm. Uh, I gave a guy a check back for $20 million once he gave me 20 million. Since his boy, his dog barking, hey, 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 hey man, hey man, what about this? What about this? What about this? I said, here's your money back. Wow. He said, what are you, what are you doing? I said, I don't want this money. I don't mind you asking questions, but not like do it every day, every day, every day. Like you gave me the money, like you trusted me. Now you ask me questions like you don't. Here's your fucking money back. Yeah. Put it in your little pile of shit. Okay. That is freedom. That's options. It's not scarcity. There is no shortage of people or money on this planet. Mm. And so uh, that was one of the biggest, biggest successes in my life. Here's your money back, dude. Not money that I got. Here, I don't want this. 
piss this guy off so bad. This guy's worth $4 billion. Here's your 20. He's like, why are you, why are you doing this, man? I said, dude, I don't want this money. Well, then, you know, I'll never make another investment with you. I know you won't. <laughs> but that's okay. Man, that ain't going to be your idea. No. That's, that's my idea. Yeah. Boom. So, so that, that is, that's the stuff that people don't like never gets covered in podcasts or programs. The, cause the rich people, rich people never really get into these conversations. No, I love like, having these conversations. Is the nobody strips stuff. it away. And really say, say again, this is the important stuff. Like we need to talk about this. Yeah, dude. Like, like, like when I was a kid, man, I had doctors on both sides of us and I was like, what, what are their secrets? Mm. They belong to the country club. Both, both of them had boats. They'd go skiing at Vail. My dad died. My mom had to dump the house. We moved to another part of town across the street from a school because it was easy. And we were freaking scared. And I, and I always thought about what did the doctors know that I, that mama don't know. And they don't tell you anything. They don't, that rich people don't talk about money. And, and, and cause they know they'll get hated on by society. Yeah. They don't talk about how they save taxes. They don't talk about like, like they get pretty quiet, bro. Once they make it, then they like, uh, close off, you know? And, and, and that, that, that is, you know, that's their choice, but it's really not fair to people like me that like, dude, just give me a peek. Yeah. You know? Like want to know? Yeah. Not, not the thing that you need to tell me because I might post it or talk about it. Mm. So, you know, like I heard, I was watching that movie, that Michael Douglas movie. It was about Wall Street. I forget what, what, what Charlie Sheen was in it, I think. The Wall Street, money never sleeps. Yeah, yeah, that quote came out of that. But it was, was it Wall Street? Yeah, Wall Street. Yeah. And uh, Oliver Stone one? Yeah, Oliver Stone. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and when the dude said, greed is good, mm-hmm. like, dude, that hit me. Now, now let, me, let me tell you, like, for me, when I heard those two words or three words, I'm a good person. I've given away $20 million of my own money to charity, and I've raised another hundred, mm. hundred million for charity. When I heard greed is good, I'm like, yeah, <laughs> what am I thinking? Yeah. You know, it just gave me a different perspective. I'm not a criminal. I'm not a bad guy. I'm not unethical. Mm. And I know I'm going to do the right things with money. You know, I'm not going to hurt people. I'm like, dude, what was I thinking? I need to be a little more like I need to be a little more hungry like these Wall Street guys are Mm. because those guys are they going to work every day. And then I heard Bill Gates say one day, he's like, you know, if you were born poor, that's one thing. If you stay poor in America, shame on you. Yeah. It's not your fault if you're born poor. It is your fault if you stay poor. So some of those things that I've heard in my life, like boom, 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 you look like I'm on that little ball inside the, the inside the machine. And I'm like, it, it, they ding me yeah. and, and they change me. And, and then I start studying those guys. Uh, not, not, not the Michael Douglas. Cause that was just a character, but like, who is that? Mm. And who's a good version of that, that actually did something to change the world for the better. Because mm. that person was often based on somebody else that has gone and done that, and they've taken yeah. that story and just made it into a movie. So it's it's real, and it can be real. The question is, will you make it real for you? So I always say that it comes down to a choice, whether or not you actually want to do it, or you just want to be comfortable. And there's a lot of fear associated with it as well. Like especially for Australia like that tall poppy syndrome, we are conditioned to believe it because it's not taught in schools. Like in, in school, in the school system, the university system, they don't teach you how to manage money. They have a business course, but in that business course, they don't teach you how to manage money properly. They just say, look, you've got a business. We're going to teach you how to run a business, but what's the most important thing in order to run a business? It's not just the idea. It's money backing it to get it moving forward. If you don't have money, then you don't really have a business. You just got an idea. Yeah. Like it's making that distinction and saying, look, I have a choice whether or not I'm going to work my absolute butt off, find the people that have the money so then I can pitch to them this idea so then I can actually start my own business. It's like that is the thing that we're missing 
And then saying to young people, especially, when you get money, here's how you manage it properly. Here's how you invest wisely. Here's how you, you know, all that sort of stuff, which is lost. And I think it's, I think it's a shame in many ways. Yeah. Great. Mm. And Grant, I've got a couple more questions for you, if you don't mind. Very, very mindful of your time, but I really enjoy this conversation. Um, this question might be a bit hard, but we'll see how you go with it. I've only asked it to a few other people, but if you were to ask a question to anyone alive or dead, who would it be? Why? And what question would you ask them? Um, oh man, there'd be so many, I mean, <laughs> I would want to tap. I, I, I don't want to ask one question like, 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 you know, like I could go to dinner with Warren Buffett. I, I, you know, I don't want to just do dinner 20 minutes, ask a couple of questions. Like that's not my deal. I just study people. I, I wouldn't do that. I would just study what they did. Yeah. You know, there's not like Jesus, man. Like, like I'm like, see, I learned from Jesus, man. I mean, what, a couple thousand years ago, guy left home, show off, like show off, like, like, but the Bible, nobody ever, churches don't ever talk about Jesus being a show off. Dude was a show off, bro. <laughs> oh yeah. Left home, left home. Boom. I've left home. Mm. I built my first business leaving home on that advice right there. He didn't, he didn't do his business at home. He left home because nobody would listen to him in his own damn neighborhood. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Left, left home, went out, started pitching to people, uh, show off the whole damn time by the walked on water. That's a show off, bro. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Okay. You see what I'm saying? Like, like, how would we know him if he didn't do great shit? Yeah. And then how would we know him if he did great stuff and other people didn't talk about what he did? So yeah. I'm like, oh, he got he got a posse around. Him. Mm. Oh, oh, he had a guy that was against him. You got to have an antagonist. Mm. I was doing an interview with uh, Sylvester Stallone, and I'm like, who was your antagonist? He's like, oh yeah, you know, you got to have one, right? <laughs> <laughs> you know, because I'm not talking about a competitor. Yeah. Like, like, like one thing I do, like, like one thing I do is I agitate people. Mm. Some of your viewers are going to be agitated, hopefully agitated by this. Mm. And, and you're going to try to get rid of the conversation. You're going to try to, but you can't get rid of this conversation because it's going to agitate you. It's going to, it's, it's, it's the oyster. Yeah. It, the, the oyster, the pearl, right? And 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 the grind out and, and, and the gold gold becomes uh, a piece of coal becomes a diamond uh, because it was in pressure, it was pressurized for years, time. Uh, time and the little the little pebble inside the oyster becomes or inside the clam becomes an oyster. Mm. And it's agitation, man. Mm. So uh I just study people, bro. I study people, what they did through their whole cycle. I don't, I don't read one article without like if an, one thing interests me about somebody. Mm. Um, I'm going to study the whole career. Yeah. And uh, then I might be like, I don't want to be that guy. Mm. No, no, that, that ain't, that ain't, that's not who I want to be. Mm. Because maybe I saw something that was flashy. I'm like, Oh, I like that or didn't like that. And then, then, then I get in there and find out, oh, God, unhappy in his marriage. Kids hated his guts. Uh, oh, found out he committed suicide. I remember there was a guy that I was passing information on, mm. and he committed suicide. Year, years ago, he, he, was, he wasn't alive when I was studying. I did not know that he committed suicide. I'm like, dude, I don't want to, like, something about what you were doing, you know, you didn't figure the rest out. And frankly, I got to tell you, I am a greedy man because of that movie I watched. I want it all, not just the money. I want to be happy. I want to be in good health. I want a good marriage. All those things have to be worked on every day. Mm. He said it perfectly. He said, you want it all, but you got to work on it every single day. I love yeah. that. Two more questions for you, Grant, if you don't mind. This one is my legacy question that I love asking people at the end. So you've been able to reach the age of 100 and your friends have put together a film for you of everything you've ever said and everything you've ever done. Don't ask me how they got it all. Call it magic. They've just been able to get it. <laughs> and they've shown it to you on your 100th birthday. What do you want that film to say and to show about your life? 
Yeah, yeah. It's it, you know, hopefully people are going to be there and be like, dude, that guy was freaking crazy. Mm. Like that guy pushed me so hard. You know, you know, I was watching. I referenced Last Dance. You know, people mm. hated Michael Jordan. That played with him, hated him. And as soon as they say, "Dude, I hated that guy." Half the time, I hated the guy, and then they always finish with, "And he made me better." Yeah. So, um, mm-hmm. number one, I hope they say that. Number two, whatever that dude put his mind to, bro, that was like, get out of the way. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I some a guy called me the other day. He said, "You're a freak of nature, dude." I was like, I just glowed. You would have thinking the guy gave me like a fleet of rolls. Mm. He's like, you're a freak of nature, bro. I've been called that like three times by, by different people. And, and this, this came from a guy that should not really know me, but he's like, I've been checking on you. I mean, he's a big shot. And he's like, you are a freak of nature. I liked it. I, I like that. You know, like. Same. Yeah. I don't think people are going to talk about my money. They're not going to talk about the plane. They're not going to talk about, oh, he was a great speaker on stage, you know. Uh, I think people will probably say he had a work ethic that was unmatched and, un, like, hard to match. Yeah, the, yeah. Good father. Hopefully they say, dude, the guy was an awesome father. And maybe, maybe, uh, maybe they'll say that I was a, 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 an, a, an uncle to millions of people. I love that last bit. They gave hard advice, uh, didn't let people off the hook, and that believed people could do more than they were doing. That is awesome. I love that. My last question for you, Grant, is more of a fun one. Uh, what is your favorite film, your favorite actor, and the last movie that you watched? Well, let's see, man. My favorite uh, actor? Uh, I don't know, man. These are hard questions. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I watched Armageddon. I, I watched Armageddon probably 17 times. Cried every time. Yep, I understand the feeling. Braveheart, definitely a standout. Dances with Wolves. Yep. Like, like if, you, if you've had losses, those movies are always going to gut you out, right? Yep. Uh, um, the Godfather, I've seen it, I don't know, three or four times. Love, Love that. Love that whole vibe. Uh, favorite actor? I don't know, man. Shit. I mean, Leo, Leo, Leo is probably the Leo to me. It's probably the, 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 the most talented actor on the planet. Mm. I haven't seen him do anything lately, but he just can not go anywhere. Yeah. Uh, he was my neighbor. He lived literally right across the street from me. And, oh, and, no way. <laughs> yeah. 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 And I watched him go to, I watched him go into the Academy Awards one night. That was when he was dating the model. Oh, and uh, he would watch me. We lived up in Sunset Hills, up in uh, up in the hills, up in uh, L.A. Literally, literally, like I look out my kitchen window and there's Leo. Okay. <laughs> and uh, and and Dre Dre lived in front of me, and Eminem would drive down the street going to Dre's house. All right. And uh, uh, the there's a if you ever go to Los Angeles, there's these buses. They take the top off the buses and they load them up with people from the Midwest and they drive around and look at the addresses of all the stars and the bus goes down there and there's a guy on the microphone and over here Leo DiCaprio and I was out on my deck (laughs) hiding behind the bushes with a water hose I'm 52 years old at the time ladies and gentlemen that is not true (laughs) Leo DiCaprio does not live there this is a scam. <laughs> and they would all look back at me, bro. And then I would hit them all with my garden hose, full blast of water. And Leo, Leo, Leo and Leo's mom would watch me over there and be like, dude, this fucking guy's crazy. <laughs> I did this, I did this at least, I don't know, twice a month. <laughs> <laughs> I love that story. Oh, yeah. that's the best. Uh, I'm not even yeah, going to... Awesome, hey, I appreciate, I appreciate Thank you so you. much. Yeah, I appreciate you taking interest in me and, and, and thank you for what you're doing. And I expect you to do many, many big, big, giant things in your lifetime. I will. And because of you, it's a stepping stone to it. Thank you so much, Grant Carter, coming on the Storybox podcast and sharing your story. Thank you. Thank you, brother. 
I don't like this part because it means that sadly we have come to an end of yet another incredible story. I just want to say thank you to all of you for tuning in and listening to our guest today. It is my prayer that you would have felt inspired, motivated, challenged in some way, and that you would have learned something new as well. If you'd like to hear more amazing stories like this one, you can do so now by searching up the story box on any podcast platform. It's that easy. If you did get something from our guest today, please share it around to a friend or family member that you think could benefit from hearing this powerful story. And before you go, please leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. It will only take 30 seconds and it'll go towards reaching more people. Let's start changing lives through powerful stories like this one. Your support is greatly appreciated. Until next time, when we dive back into the story box, I'm Jay Phantom, and don't forget, your story is worth more than you know. I'll catch you next time. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.